and then Maestro, Maestro also is on there. You got Barbie. Hey, oh, by the way, welcome to Mornings at 10 here. So much to get to, and of course, a lot of people buzzing about these Oscar nominations. can't stop talking about it. A big morning. It's like the Super Bowl for entertainment. You're looking live at the Dolby Theater, which will play host to the 96th Academy Awards in about six weeks from now, guys. And if you're like us, you were glued earlier this morning, learning exactly which movies would be competing for the most famous statuette in show business. Ten films get the chance to go for Best Picture, and now we know the contenders in all categories. Entertainment reporter, Sandy, well, he's he's our entertainment guru, yes, by the way. He is. Sandy is my entertainment everything. Yes. And he's going to join us at the table to talk about the biggest surprises, the inside scoops, and kids, there were some snubs here. I mean, oh, yeah. Twitter X, I don't know what to call it. Twitter X is already buzzing about the snubs. The snubs. Um, but there were surprises, got. too, but the snubs are taking the mm. cake. Yeah. I can't wait till we get to talk about this. So no. gather some popcorn and snuggle up to the TV screen, kids. Speaking <laughs> of tallying the votes, right? Yeah. We're yeah. also watching New Hampshire because this is the first in the nation primary. Voting already underway. In fact, started at midnight with all that tradition and everything they do is first in the nation. So now it's a two-horse race on the Republican side. A little bit later, we're going to talk to Kane University provost and political expert David Birdsell about this latest stop in the race for the White House. It's super interesting that everybody's already saying what it will be, and I really think we just have to let it play out. Mm -hmm. I think the Dixville Notch thing was super interesting mm -hmm. that Nikki Haley got all six of those all votes. Six. Six votes yeah. So, Small you know, tap. let's let's just see how it plays out. But well, of course, everybody has their opinion. Also, yeah. President Biden not on the ballot. We'll talk about why. Right. So what up. did that what did that how did that write in thing or how is it going to go? All nice. good. There's so much good stuff. To and talk there's about. stuff to talk about in weather. We do. We do. We have a little bit of icing in some of our northern communities. We have kind of a little collection of snow going in that way as well as we go through the day today. So let's check in on this moisture and find out exactly where it is. You can see from our sky shot that if you're looking south, we've got still some opening in those clouds and some bright skies. We have some clouds over the city right now. We're 39 degrees in the village. We're 37 in Bensonhurst this morning, 41 on the Jersey Shore. Th those numbers were in the 20s in central and southern New Jersey this morning. So that's a real recovery with a little bit of sunshine there. Meanwhile, under the clouds, we're 32 to 36 in Poughkeepsie, and there's been a little bit of moisture in that area as well. So we do have that winter weather advisory. Look at the color here. And that goes today through uh, Wednesday with some slippery roads likely because if we watch the moisture passing over us and as the radar picks it up, it breaks it up into what's freezing rain, what's a little bit of light snow and sleet, what's a little bit of shower activity. We've got some sprinkles moving across the city south. And as we go through the day today, it's likely we'll see some of this freezing mix a little to the north and there will even be a little snow collection. We're going to get a coating and in some places a coating up to a half inch, maybe an inch of snow in the super high elevations. Sullivan County, I would keep an eye on that. But look at the numbers as we go through the day today. We're in the 30s in the city and near 40 degrees. So there's no real problems for us. You'll just notice a sprinkle moving through. Yeah, so that's north and west. Yeah, oh, north, ice, north, north, north. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, yep. right now the NYPD sergeant <laughs> in this video accused of tossing a cooler at a fleeing drug suspect last August, knocking him off his scooter, killing him. Mm is in a Bronx courtroom. Yeah, sort of a really bizarre situation here. The case sparking outrage on both sides of this case, a community rallying for justice as supporters of the sergeant say the legal system is painting a hardworking cop as a criminal. Eyewitness News reporter Phil Tate's been following the case. He's live in Melrose right now. So Phil, what do we know? 
Yeah, well, moments ago, we learned that the 36-year-old Sergeant Eric Duran surrendered to face charges, which include manslaughter, criminally negligent homicide, along with assault. Now, this all follows the indictment from the Attorney General's office in connection to the death of the 30-year-old Bronx man Eric Dupre. Now, moments ahead of this arraignment, we had an opportunity to hear from Black Lives Matter, Greater New York, and let's take a listen to what they told us just moments ago. Far too many times we've seen police officers who claim to be honor, who claim honorable, who claim to be respectable, take cases to trial that they have no business taking to trial. So what we are encouraging this officer to do is save the Bronx millions of dollars, save the taxpayers millions of dollars, and plead guilty. Everybody saw you pick up a cooler and smash someone's head in. And for the officers who are inside supporting him, you support murder? This is what New York has come to? Come we cheer for murders, murderers to get off. Not in my city. I'm a New Yorker, and I stand for all of us. He needs to be found guilty. Yeah, emotional reaction there. And ahead of this hearing, we saw a strong show of support from more than a dozen NYPD officers in uniform. Also, members of Black Lives Matter Greater New York also made a bold statement, as you just heard from them, as they chanted just moments before they entered the courtroom. Well, today's proceedings follows this deadly incident back in August. And you may remember this surveillance video that stunned the city, that captured the drug bust that turned into chaos. Well, officials previously said Dupre had sold drugs to an officer, and he tried to get away from police when they walked wanted to make that arrest. Now we're told the undercover officer allegedly threw a plastic cooler at Dupre's head while on a motor scooter causing him to fall and hit his head to the ground. Well, in a statement from the Sergeant's Benevolent Association, they say in part, quote, Sergeant Duran made a split section decision that was predicated solely on his concern for the safety of others. Now he has become the latest victim of a legal system that treats honest, hard-working cops as criminals and criminals as victims. Now it's important to note that the medical medical examiner's office did rule Dupre's death as a homicide. As for the officer, he was suspended without pay. That's the very latest in Melrose this morning. I'm Phil Tate, Channel 7 Eyewitness News. All right. Thanks so much, Phil. One other court story to tell you about. Um, this is just in a, in a half hour, 25 minutes from now. Um, former Congressman George Santos is set to appear in court in central Islip in his federal fraud and money laundering case. The judge expected to decide whether Santos's trial can be moved up from its current September date. Santos has pleaded not guilty to a 23 count indictment in the case. Other top stories happening right now at 10. We've learned an e-bike was recovered from the scene of a high-rise fire last night in Harlem. Citizen at video capturing these big flames shooting from this apartment window on Lenox Avenue. This that is, is right. some fire. It really is, and it's so significant because an eyewitness says it was so hot it caused the metal on the balcony to bend, the fire burning right above her unit. Wow. Luckily, no reports of injuries. The official cause of the fire still under investigation. Mm -hmm. And in the Bronx, firefighters battling this fire in the Soundview section last night. Flames could be seen shooting from that roof. Uh, at least three residents were hurt and three firefighters had to be treated for minor injuries. The fire burned through the apartment building on Boynton Avenue, leaving 13 residents homeless. The cause of the fire is still under investigation. Happening today, the battle continues between the City Council and Mayor Adams over this How Many Stops Act. City Council members and faith leaders rallying today as they look to override the mayor's veto on the bill. This bill would require police officers to record every encounter they have with the public. Hmm. Mayor Adams says it would force officers to do unnecessary paperwork and then force the city to pay for overtime. 
A coalition of nine Democratic governors uh, sent a letter to the federal government on the asylum seeker crisis. Governor Hochul and Governor Murphy among the group who signed that letter. They are asking the White House and Congress for more than a billion dollars in aid, as well as a comprehensive legislative package for border security. So difficult when you have all of the cities and states taking on the burden themselves. All right, uh, two notes for commuters. A step forward in plans to extend the Second Avenue subway, by the way, has just now gotten another step forward. The MTA has awarded a $182 million agreement to clear and relocate all of this underground utility equipment that is around the future 106th Street station. The project will eventually take, and you know the queue line, it stops at 96th Street. Well, they want to take it all the way to 125th Street, so the Port Authority in another move is also showing that toll evaders will eventually have to pay up. The agency recovered more than $25 million from toll evaders last year, and that's up 14% from the previous year. So a lot of people think once you get through, you're on the slide. Apparently not. They are going and they are figuring out ways to come and get you for those tolls. There this is go. another big one. How about we help people protect their life savings? Apple released a new iPhone update that hopes to make it harder for thieves to get your information if your phone is ever stolen. I know some of us have experienced that. I have to. Yep. The new feature called Stolen Device Protection adds a few extra steps to some actions. For example, accessing stored credit card information or passwords will only work with Face ID or Touch ID. And it's scary because you've got everything in the world on there now. And I know mine was stolen out of my pocket. I don't know how yours was stolen, but you know when it's. It. I left it somewhere and somebody took it in the Target. But so. when it's, yeah, when it's gone, you panic. And there's no, I mean, I don't care how prepared you are for yep. it, you panic. True. If you want to change your Apple ID password, the new feature requires you to use Face ID or a Touch ID and then wait an hour and perform a second ID confirmation. Now this is to kind of try to make sure that you're the one who's doing the work, right? If you're having to Touch ID and Face ID, it gives owners a chance to report their phone as stolen as well because of that hour wait before thieves can change your password. We were talking about this on Eyewitness News this morning, so I did this. I, and it's very simple to do. So you just make sure that it's updated, the software, and then you yeah. go and boop, 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 right, go into the, in fact, here's exactly how you do it. So it's the stolen device protection uh, portion of your phone. Okay. So you, after you update the phone, because you got to update it to the new iOS. Yeah, I haven't done that yet. So that's the biggest thing, which will help that's, with other things too. Okay. So then you go into settings and you tap face ID and passcode. You enter your passcode and then you tap stolen device protections and you have that on. I thought it was a toggle, but it's not a toggle. It's just a, a selection. So you okay. go to that okay. and then you'll be all secure. It took maybe 30 seconds. Yeah, I checked and I, I didn't have the option because I did not upgrade, so you gotta do the update, update my phone yet. Yep. So. Gonna do. Get on it. Yeah. Definitely important. Coming up. And the Oscar goes to. Yes, the nominations are in Hollywood's highest honor, now within grasp for several stars. We are counting down the biggest surprises and some of the snubs. Ooh, that shocked us all. Mm. Also, a security situation for pop star Taylor Swift. The recent arrest made outside one of her New York City properties. <laughs> on a morning like this, what you want is a Hollywood, I, I, I want to call you insider. <laughs> Though I know you talk about it, I just feel like you know it. Like well, this is your life. You how, many, so how many Oscars? Up and excited. How many Oscars? I'm going to do my 37th in March, and I'll tell you what is really exciting, having done it several times. The in-person nominations announcement is back.
Yeah. Now, this is very early. You have to get up at 2.30 in the morning to be there, but it's so exciting <laughs> as people cheer when their favorites get nominated. Yeah, you can Oops hear it of in surprise. the audience. Yep, yep, it's yep. great. COVID claimed this for several years. Yeah. Yes. And before that, they thought, oh, well, let's do it online. It never works as well as that <laughs> no, live you audience. Yeah, you can feel let's it. get to surprises and snubs because we've got them yes, all. And please. then talk a little bit about it. We've got so much to do. Now, before we get to the surprises and the snubs, I want to say I'm calling this Oscar the Battle of the blockbusters. Oh. Here's why. Oppenheimer, Poor Things, and especially Barbie, the number one film of last year. These are popular movies. Huge monster hits beloved by the critics. You don't get that combination often. It is no accident, as I frequently say, that the highest ratings for the Oscar telecast came during Titanic. Mm. And that wow. was 57 million watching a quarter of a century ago. Let's face it, we love the Oscar for the spotlight it throws on yeah. more obscure movies, and we'll talk about a couple of those. But when the blockbusters are in contention, millions of people who have seen these movies, who have a stake in the outcome, are going to watch We get the to show. root for so our favorites. the audience yeah. and the critics... Right. A line. Well, so, plus, I'll say, I, I mean, because I, I don't, I haven't seen it, really any of these movies. I've seen Elemental, which is in the animated category, but, you know, I have young kids. <laughs> but I will say it makes me interested because I know about Oppenheimer. I know about Barbie. So I'm even interested not having seen the film. And uh, so that's expected. Yes. Battle of the Blockbusters in the uh, meeting that you have every <laughs> morning before the show. We talked about it. That yep. was as expected. So let's get to the surprises. Yes. And it's in one of those blockbusters, Barbie. <clears throat> Nominated for Best Picture, where it's a favorite, Greta Gerwig, who directed it, what aced out no. of Best yeah. Direction. I'm so glad you mentioned it, because this is not just a movie and a director. She was the conversation on everyone's lips all year yep. long. Now, she is nominated for Adapted Screenplay. Oh, now, you will read Margot Robbie snubbed for playing Barbie. Right. That's a true statement. Yes. But she earned her first Oscar nod as one of this movie's producers. Oh. So Margot Robbie could still be standing on the stage of the Dolby Theater on Oscar night. So you have to watch that very carefully. She was snubbed in the acting category. And we say snubbed, we mean that one sometimes might have edged her out by a vote or two. You never know the voting totals. You don't know oh. what the sixth person got or the 11th best picture got. But that's a lot of conversation yeah. that I saw after immediately following. There was a lot of heat on this. Ryan Gosling gets a nomination, but Greta Gerwig doesn't, and Margot Robbie doesn't. So there's a lot of buzz about that. That's right. Now, one thing to keep in mind with Best Direction, there are 10 Best Picture nominees, but only five Best Direction. So, so once list. a year, one of these directors is going to, wait a minute, did the film direct itself was the question we asked. And then I realized a couple things. Wonka should have been on the list because it came out this year, but I didn't see anything. Am I right? Or was no, Wonka I think, not? I think Wonka was. Was out uh, too late? Yeah. What okay. about but, the color purple? I and the color purple? Color purple, Danielle Brooks. Proud graduate of Juilliard across yeah. the street. Yeah. Friend of mine. Okay, I'm supposed to be impartial, and I'm too busy crashing on this anyway, but I did get a little cheer for Danielle Brooks, <laughs> my friend That's who great. is in there for her terrific role in Color Purple. Let's talk Leo DiCaprio. Yes, okay. because that was my next okay. one, Flower Moon. Leo DiCaprio did not get an eighth nomination. He was expected, and we'll talk about why, which is around the movie American Fiction.
and the love that this movie is getting for Jeffrey Wright and Sterling K. Brown playing mm -hmm. his brother. This, if you haven't seen American Fiction, this was in my top five oh, last year. Oh, I want to see it so bad. It is a dark comedy about an African-American writer who writes classical books, books very high-toned, very serious. He can't sell. He's frustrated that even though he's writing about ancient Greece, he's put in the African-American section just because of the color of his skin. So he, all these frustrations come out, and he decides to write a black book. The words of the movie, not my words. And that's a book uh, in which he adopts a different persona as a criminal and writes the book under a pseudonym and hilarity and dark drama ensues. That's American fiction and that's gonna benefit from the nominations because a lot of people say, hey, what is this movie? I want this to is a now. movie that is vital and important for our audience. Check it out. Sterling yeah. K. Brown, bravo to him. And what about America Ferreira? I mean, America Ferreira nice had the best speech of any movie last year. It, if you've seen the movie Barbie, it it's the one where she says, here's how men bug us. And it's about two and a half a, uh, minutes of list. And I was cheering in the theater. And uh, some of the guys in the audience were looking at me like, traitor. And I just thought it was the most remarkable thing. Uh, that was the other nomination that really, really got to me. America Ferreira, if you haven't seen Barbie, I would say it's worth seeing Barbie just for that speech. Oh. It's one for the ages. It's everybody saying right on, as we used to say way yeah. back. And, and and I applaud Greta Gerwig. I think she took a movie that could have been a very simple Barbie movie, right? But she layered it and she yeah. gave it so much complication and so much interest. And you can watch that film multiple times and get something each time different. And, and here's something for the Oscar poll, folks. Okay. Watch the screenplay category. I call it sometimes the consolation prize. Okay. This is a way to honor movies that miss out on the top prize or the bigger prizes or the earlier prizes. Uh, later, I should say. The ones that come at the end of the evening. And adapted screenplay, Greta Gerwig is nominated. Mm. Okay. So again, you have to be, you can't say she was not nominated for Barbie. I get it. She was, and okay. she wrote it with her husband, and if you understand the simple truth of that sentence, wrote it with her husband, you'll see, I think, why it's so effective. It's, it's, it's dual points of view with her point of view winning, <laughs> I think. Well, Sandy, this is the first time I've seen your list of total nominations up. So Oppenheimer came in, for, wow, Poor Things came in second in nominations? Yes. And that's great, because that was my favorite movie of last year. And because we work here, I, it, I have to say it is uh, done from Searchlight, uh, owned by the same parent company as uh, Disney, the owner of this station. That aside, it was my favorite. I loved it. And my favorite moment of last year was at the New York premiere of the movie. And I had an English cousin with me. My father was English. And I said to Emma Stone, there's a saying in London, this movie is bonkers. <laughs> and she said, bonkers is what makes it great. 
That's so great. Now, now this is a love or hate. Yeah. We've got this going in the newsroom right now. Okay. With people saying, no, I didn't like it. Oh. And others saying, really? like me, it was my favorite. I am, I am so sad. I haven't seen any of the movies on the list. I mean, it's been a really busy year. As yeah. You know, no, my for friend, everybody. You yeah. and I, Especially with young kids. We, we it's get tough it. To get but those, it's so yeah. hard to say, okay, I'm going to invest this much time to do sit it. down and I'm watch a movie so long. <laughs> Killers of the Flower Moon, whoa. Three yes. hours and, what, 48 minutes? That is that? a tremendous commitment. We have to say, if we're, if we're mentioning Killers of the Flower Moon, we have to say that Martin Scorsese, New York's own, is the oldest director ever nominated for Best Direction. Wow. He's 81 years it's old. It's his 10th nomination. We can applaud that however we feel about the length of the movie, <laughs> which has very aggressive partisans. I thought it sustained at that length. But it's a tough go. It's a tough watch. Well, there'll be a lot of conversations between now and March. As Jimmy oh. Kimmel hosts for the for the fourth time right here on ABC. Sandy's great. Sandy, it's, all, it's so awesome. I always feel so good. I know. Now I feel yeah. I feel ready for the show. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm ready to go. So yes. I don't want to wait until March I, 10. Could I just say about Jimmy Kimmel? Of course. He, what you see is what you get. A wonderful guy. One of my best experiences was uh, standing on the the roof of his theater with his mom a day before Oscars. And she's talking about what he was like doing shows when he was eight years old. Oh, that's cool. That. Those that's are the great cool. things. Sandy. Yeah. Those are the great things. I know you'll have nuggets. many more reports throughout the day, including coming up. <laughs> You're at a busy noon, man so. today. Yeah. Hey, guys, welcome back. In just a moment, we are going to be joined by political expert David Birdsell. He's mm -hmm. going to break down the New Hampshire mm -hmm. primary. But first, here's the latest on some of the big stories across our area this morning. A man was arrested uh, for the second time in three days for allegedly stalking near Taylor Swift's property in lower Manhattan. David Crow, who is from Seattle, has been charged with harassment and stalking after his arrest in Tribeca last night. He was first spotted by Swift's security team wandering outside, but he didn't attempt to enter. He was also arrested on Saturday and when police responded to a report of a disorderly man trying to open the door of Swift's property. Uh, New York City Schools Chancellor David Banks says the city will <laughs> offer new curriculum materials to discuss anti-Semitism and Islamophobia. In March, all middle and high school principals will receive mandatory training. Principals will then bring that training to their schools, teachers and staff. And this is a big deal. More than half a million New Yorkers struggling to pay for their medical bills will have their debts forgiven. Mayor Adams announced the city is investing $18 million over the next three years. The money will get rid of more than $2 billion in medical debt for hundreds of working class residents. All right, let's dive into this latest milestone in the race for the White House. Voting now underway in the state of New Hampshire for the primary. It's the second contest for Republican presidential candidates and the first for Democrats. A GOP race suddenly a head to head matchup between former President Trump and former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley. But President Biden isn't even technically on the ballot on the Democratic side. So to help us sort all of this out, we're joined live now by Kane University Provost David Birdsell. Welcome back to the program. We appreciate it as always. Great to be here this morning. So let's begin there with President Biden. Why isn't he on the ballot? Well, there was a big argument in the Democratic Party about who got to go first in the primaries. In 2000, it was South Carolina that put Joe Biden over the top uh, and made him the presumptive nominee. And he wanted to start with a state that uh, reflected that strength. Beyond the Biden candidacy, they wanted a state that was less uniformly white 
aged and relatively conservative, which is New Hampshire. <clears throat> so they've moved <clears throat> South Carolina to the top of the nominating order. Uh, and so the New, New Hampshire primary in the Democratic Party actually doesn't count for the selection of delegates to the convention this year. I know there's a write-in campaign. Many people are urging people to write in President Biden. We'll see what happens in New Hampshire for President Biden. But let's talk about the makeup of the electorate there in the state of New Hampshire. You mentioned it leans conservative. We know Governor Chris Sununu has been stumping for Nikki Haley. But I believe it's about 39-40% are what they call undeclared. So they can vote either in the Republican primary or the Democratic primary. How could that change That's exactly the cal right. And so how could that change what we expect to happen today? Well, that, that could change this race uh, in profound ways. You have about a million voters in New Hampshire. 300,000 of them, roughly, are Republicans. 300,000 of them registered Democrats. And exactly as you say, those who do not affiliate with either party, who are independents, can choose a ballot from either party. Uh, and in this case, a majority of the 400,000 independents have said that they are going to choose Republican ballots. And so it could be that a very substantial uh, portion, even a majority, of the primary electorate may not be registered Republicans. And that's really where Nikki Haley is pinning her hopes because the registered Republicans are solidly in the Trump camp. Uh, of course, some not, and she hopes to pick those up, uh, but she wants to make big uh, inroads with that independent block of the vote. And so let's talk about the timeline because New Hampshire, in fact, made it a law that it is the first state that has a primary. How important is that timeline as we look at this race? Well, the, the, the timeline, because of uh, laws like New Hampshire's, uh, because of the Republican Party uh, rule that you can't have a primary until you have a caucus, there's actually an exception uh, for New Hampshire, but this uh, creates problems with Michigan and Nevada later in the calendar. Um, the, the timing matters a lot. I mean, if you think about this, take Donald Trump and Joe Biden off the table. Uh, each state is relatively more inclined toward one party or another, is relatively more liberal, relatively more urban. So making these choices about yeah. who goes first and gives a candidate momentum, this is enormously important in the make in, in how people appear to be performing in a primary right. electorate. Remember, with very small numbers, uh, Donald Trump got 55,000 supporters in Iowa last week. Yep. Uh, tiny, tiny numbers, but they loom large because that's the contest of the day and that shapes perceptions going forward. One more before we leave you for this conversation. So in a potential head-to-head -head matchup with former President Trump and either President Biden or Nikki Haley, both former President Trump and Nikki Haley are pulling ahead of, of President Biden at this point. So as you look at this, right, that's even with former President Trump facing four indictments. We know 90 some criminal counts. What does that say if you're in the White House now running or part of the, the president's campaign right now for reelection? What does that say about the job he's doing right now in the state of where we are in this race? Well, it's very clear that right now the indictments appear to be stoking the passions and the enthusiasm of the MAGA base, that portion of the Republican Party that is most committed to Donald Trump. That may change should there be an indictment prior to the general election. Uh, I don't think it changes the landscape for the primary. And Trump is in every respect in the strongest position to receive his party's nomination. Uh, but in the general election, a much larger percentage of the electorate has indicated that they would be reluctant to 
vote or would refuse to vote for somebody who has actually been convicted of a crime. Uh, so that's the question going forward. Will there be a, conclu a concluded trial before the election? And will that trial uh, convict the former president of a felony? Uh, and if that's the case, that's a game changer uh, because we're not just talking about loyalists within the Republican base mm -hmm. at that point. David Birdsell, always appreciate your perspective. Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me. Stay with Eyewitness News all day as we have continuing coverage of the New Hampshire primary. You can also find the latest results as they come in. Polls close at 7 p.m. tonight. Those results available all day as we get them. ABC 7 and Y. And Mike, obviously we are all keeping a close eye on New Hampshire today, but it's a spare minute for a special primary going down in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Incumbent Mayor Joe Gannum will again face off against John Gomes for the Democratic nomination. That is because, as you recall, a court ruled there was widespread ballot stuffing in the original primary, which Gannum won last September. He ultimately won the general election as well, but those results were tossed because of the problems with that primary. We've worked so hard for so long to see the progress we're making now. We've got a new professional soccer team. We hope that people turn out in numbers that the absentee ballot just becomes a small part of it. There will be two monitors supervising today's vote. The polls open at 6 and will close tonight at 8.